This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play via the iHeartRadio app. I've been around a long time, and that's kind of what I said. I've seen a lot of goalies that are good, but he, he's as good as anyone that I've ever seen. You know, and I go back to Dominic Hasek and how, and how he affects the team, the way they can play. He makes it look easy. Dominic Hasek made it look hard. You know, he makes them look easy. We had a lot of great looks tonight. They look like nothing because he, you know, he's in the right place. That's what I told him. No, I, I like that guy. <laughs> Rod Brindamore, Dave. I like that guy. I mean, he just look. Obviously, we don't cover him specifically, but when he talks to the media, I, I, there is a certain amount of he gets it, and I think we all can appreciate it. The moment he had with Vasilevsky when both teams were shaking hands to end the series, Tampa Bay wins it in five, four games to one. It's something I think a lot of people like to watch, even if your team loses. And we would we could only speculate at the time what Brindamore was saying, but he, he took the time out. You could really tell to let Vassy know how much he appreciated his talents and then for him to relay that message in his post-game press conference yeah. last night. I thought it was really a, a cool moment. And, Dave, we talked about Rod Brindamore as a player when this series was going on and how good of a player he was, how good of a coach he is. And for him to compare Vassy to arguably one of the greatest goaltenders of all time is quite a compliment. I think you and I understand that. I think Lightning fans understand that. But sometimes it's it's nice to get out of this bubble and hear somebody else praise one of the lightning players like that to confirm what we already know and he's absolutely right we'll get into the game tonight but congratulations to the tampa bay lightning dave this is now what the fifth time in the last seven seasons they're going to be competing in the semifinals and in an era that kind of relishes parody the tampa bay lightning this core group is anything but and that is a tremendous accomplishment. And I, I want to compare this run to some other runs we've seen in other leagues. But full kudos to the Tampa Bay Lightning doing what they did on the road against a team who needed a win. I think it speaks to how far this team has come over the last couple of years, closing out games and really the way they're doing it. Well, first, a quick word on, on Brandon Moore. He played with his heart on his sleeve. And I think he coaches with his heart on his sleeve. And when yeah. he meets with the media, he speaks with his heart on his sleeve. And, and I think that's why we both really enjoy hearing these sound bites from Brenda Moore. And I would not be surprised if he ends up getting some hardware at the end of the year. And he deserves it. He certainly deserves consideration talking about the Jack Adams Award for Coach of the Year. So we'll see how that plays out. But but if he does win it, he will have earned it. He's an excellent coach. And I don't want to start off by looking at the series as a whole, but I'll just say this from the Carolina side. Every game was close. Every game could have gone either way. And I think the margin, as we have talked about, was very narrow. And Carolina was affected by some of the injuries. Trocek had an impact last night, playing yeah, at whatever he was, 60%, 70%. I mean, clearly he wasn't 100%. I think that's fair to say that. He was he was playing through whatever his injury was, leg, knee, that when he collided with Warren Fogle. 
He was impactful, and Vasilevsky's save of the game came on Trocek. So congratulations to the Hurricanes on, on a terrific season. I do think their future continues to be bright. I don't think that this is going to be a step back for them. I think Jordan Stahl said as much post-game. And I remember circling back to the Lightning, Greg, and we can get into to Game 5, kind of dig into to Game 5 in a second here. But I remember when we were talking, I think it was before the playoffs, and I forget the context of the conversation, but I was talking about the 2016 run. I think we were talking about injuries maybe, and I said, you know, the Lightning didn't have Strawman, they didn't have Stamkos, and they got to the conference final, and you said, I understand that, but the 2016 Detroit Red Wings and the 2016 New York Islanders, the team they saw in the second round, are not the Florida Panthers and Carolina Hurricanes from this year. And when you think about it, I know it's a weird year with the divisional-only format, but to get to where they have gotten this year, the Lightning had to beat the team with the fourth-most points in the entire league and the team with the third-most points in the entire league. Like they had, they had to flex their muscles big time in these first two rounds to get through it. And they did it. And they did it in 11 games. So credit to the Lightning. My point is, though, that getting to the semifinals, or this year it's not the conference finals, but it's the same round, five out of seven. Not all five of those runs have been identical in terms of the quality of the opposition. They're all good opponents. But I think that we are in agreement that the Lightning had to get through two really, really dangerous teams in the first two rounds. And, you know, I think it is important in any year, particularly one where the schedule was so wacky and you played a lot of games against the same teams a number of times in a row, Dave, and how physical and how tight things could have been and were, I think it is important to have a shorter series. I'm not saying this series wasn't grueling. It was. I'm not saying the first series wasn't grueling. It was. But you know what? Especially if the Islanders and Bruins go seven, boy, it's going to be nice to have a couple of days off. It really is because the Lightning have earned it. They have earned it, Dave. And, you know, when you talk about the Lightning, there are a lot of reasons why they're successful. I think the coaching is good. They've drafted very well. They've got role players. But it's the stars that typically lead the way. It doesn't always happen. But they typically lead the way. I mean, there's Braden Point last night with an amazing goal. I don't think people appreciate the hands involved in his goal. Waiting out Nadelkovich, who, by the way, Carolina's found their goaltender. If I'm Rod Brindamore, I put that question to bed. I ride Nadelkovich until he shows me he can't do it. He wasn't as good as Andre Vasilevsky, but he was pretty good. And he gave your team a chance to win. Didn't come up with a couple of saves you would have liked. But again, he's not Vasilevsky. In many ways, I can't fault him for that. But Braden Point, he's got eight goals in 11 games, Dave, in the playoffs this year. When you take a look at what he did last year, he had 14 goals in 23 games. He's got 30 goals in 55 career playoff games. Nikita Kucherov. What he did so far through two series. And then, of course, what I said about Andre Vasilevsky. Your stars have led the way. And when we talk about the Lightning matching up against any opponent, for the most part, 
there are a lot of reasons why they're going to be the favorites. But make no mistake, probably the biggest reason is because their star players are just a bit better than the other teams. We saw that against the Dallas Stars last year. When Braden Point played, they couldn't handle him. Nikita Kucherov, Victor Hedman, and you've got Vasi on the back end there playing as well as he has in net. Again, I go back to the comment I made earlier. I think it's so unusual to see this because of how much parity is in the league. These numbers the Lightning players are putting up are, are some of the more impressive numbers because of the era they're playing in. And once again, they delivered last night on the road, by the way. And John Cooper said, guys, look, we won three road games in this series. It speaks to a lot of things, but I think that speaks to leadership. And typically leadership comes from your best players. And I think the Lightning have a, a bunch of guys, Dave, who are gamers. And you know we're going to show up when it matters the most. Yeah, it was an impressive win. It was an impressive series for the Lightning. But let's get into to Game 5. So if we pick up where we left off in Game 4, kind of the, the ongoing question in the series was, would the next game be more defensive in nature or more wide open? And at least at the start of Game 5, it was more like Games 1 and 2. I did not think there were a ton of chances for either side in the first period. There were a couple, like Svechnikov had one off the rush, not the one in the second period, which was more dangerous, but he took a shot from kind of the, the circle, a little below the dot. He was on his strong side. Vassy made a good save on that. Hedman had a chance at the side of the net. I think it was during a four-on-four. Four. Nedeljkovic made a good save on that one, low with his right pad. But, you know, the teams combined for 19 shots in the first I don't think there were a ton of scoring chances. Both penalty kills played well. They had an early penalty to deal with. And there was one total shot over the four minutes. So you're thinking coming out of period one, all right, well, we're going to have another game like game one and game two where it's just going to be no room on the ice, not a lot of scoring chances. It may come down to one mistake here or there. But then things did open up in the second period. And probably the biggest segment in the game happened early in the second period. Maroon drew a penalty on Hockenpah. And how many times do you see this, Greg? I know that this is kind of a, a, a minor point, but it wasn't minor because it put the lighting in the power play. There was a face-off in the Carolina end, and the Hurricanes won it. And it was either iced or it went out of play. But Maroon was angry because he felt that Hockenpah had clipped him or tied him up or I don't even know. Like it was hard to tell off the monitor exactly what had happened because we never saw a replay of that first face-off. But he complained to the official. They have another face-off in the exact same spot. Hurricanes win it again, and Hockenpah does basically the same thing to Maroon, and this time he got called for interference. You don't see that very often, particularly when the, the guy knows that the opponent just complained, and then he did the – same thing or close to the same thing. So the Lightning get a power play. And like 10 seconds into the power play, Kucherov can't handle a puck. It bounces off his stick. Jordan Stahl and Trocek have a two-on-one. And that was Vasilevsky's toughest save of the night. 
and he stopped the Trocek one-timer. He kind of lunged to his left. He was like the big cat, and he fought it off with his glove. So there's no shorthand and goal. The power play continues. And if you recall, Greg, we had talked in game four about how Anthony Sorelli had come out with the first unit, essentially replacing Kalorn, because they wanted Sorelli to take the face off against Jordan Stahl to begin a power play. They did not do it on their first period power play. Point took the face off, lost it. The Hurricanes got it down the ice, and the Lightning struggled just to get it back in the zone, that whole power play. So for power play number two, the one that they had early in the second, Sorelli does come out. So it's not like he won the draw and the Lightning held it in. They gave up a shorthanded bid. But Sorelli was out on the ice for like the first, I don't know, 45, 50 seconds or so of that power play. Kucherov gets the puck in the neutral zone, and it's at that point that Sorelli decides to go to the bench to change for Kalorn. So when Kalorn comes off the bench, he's got fresh legs. He's not been he's not been on the power play for the first 45 seconds or so. And Kucherov, so smart, sees this. He puts the puck back into the Carolina end along the boards where the bench is. And Kalorn is like shot out of a cannon. He jumps off the bench and out-muscles Brady Shea, who's caught a little flat-footed, and Shea's been out there the entire penalty kill, got around Shea with the puck. Now you got a two-on-one down low. And then that play to point, you mentioned points hands on the goal. Tremendous. This one was a little different than like Carolina's so aggressive on the penalty kill and the guys are getting out of position. This was, I think, more about Kucherov is so smart and understands what's happening, and he put the puck in an area where a fresh guy has a chance to win a puck battle against a guy who's been out there for 50 seconds. And it led to a two-on-one. And and that was the game-winning goal. I mean, what do you think about it? Huge, huge swing. The save on Trocek, followed by the point power play goal. Instead of being down one nothing, allowing a shorthanded goal, the Lightning are up one nothing. Then Carolina gets a power play shortly thereafter, and the Lightning kill off that penalty. Huge. In between, actually, Colton hit the crossbar. They could have been up 2 nothing, And the rest of the second period was more wide open. There was more room. You think about it. Kucherov had a chance in the slot. Good save, Nedeljkovic. Sergeyev had two huge blocks on Dougie Hamilton in the second period that were not shots on net. But for sure, they were dangerous looks, and Sergeyev got in the way, so Vasi didn't have to make the save. And then Vasi did make the save on Sveshnikov, which came very late on that Carolina power play that I just talked about, where he was able to get around whoever the defenseman was for the Lightning. I can't remember who it was, but it was like a bouncing puck, and he he got around the Lightning defenseman and kind of came in on almost a pseudo breakaway. So the Lightning got through the second period, denying the chances that Carolina had and also not converting on their own chances. And, of course, the Chernak shot at the end of the period went in just after the the time it expired. And then in the third period, you figure Carolina is going to come out roaring, and the Hurricanes did. They had the first four shots in the period. They came in the first two minutes. But then something happened, and I was wondering way back at the beginning of the series if we would see this. Would Carolina start to get frustrated or press to score and start giving up chances the other way. And it definitely happened in the third period 
Was it frustration? Was it desperation? Who knows? All I know is the lighting had the next 10 shots in a row and probably eight of them were incredible chances. Yeah, I, as I good as they have with. had in the entire series, yeah, right? I mean, I'm looking at my notes here, and I'm, I'm right from the start with Maroon on the wraparound yep. shot. I mean, it was just point and close. Colton point and close. close. Gord robbed. Colton, tight. before he scored, had yeah. a chance. Kucherov um, I, had a chance. I actually thought the Colton goal was a little soft. I think that's probably one you need to save, but I understand. A little right, bit of a knuckle puck. Yeah. Right above, and it was, I think it was right above the pad and right below Short the side. glove hand. And remember, Brian has talked about that. That's a tough save for goaltenders because your glove hand's going down rather than up. And he also thought Colton might have yeah. gone to pass it, Maybe. which he didn't. Chernak did not get a point on that, but he stood up just outside the lighting blue line on Lorenz, and that forced the turnover. And that was an odd man rush. So the Lightning had a ton of room in the third period, and if not for Nedeljkovic, it could have been 5 nothing, easily. But it was 2 nothing. I think they had one more shot, the Lightning did, after the Colton goal, where Gord had, had a chance right in the next shift. Tremendous save by Nedeljkovic. I mean, these are, these are like 10 bellers, right? Like, these are as good of chances as the Lightning have had in the entire series. Point had a breakaway. I don't know if you mentioned that one. That was when it was still one nothing. Mm -hmm. Great save, Nedeljkovic. But then the Lightning, even though they didn't have as many chances in probably the last six to seven minutes, they still locked it down. Palat took the penalty, and we can talk about that. Like, not a good penalty. Offensive zone, hit to the head. Pesci didn't return. So we'll see if anything stems from that. But the Lightning killed off that penalty. And then Jordan Martinook had two chances from the top of the crease with about five minutes left. They weren't like clean, uncontested looks because there was a Lightning defenseman kind of right there with him. Two good saves, though, by Vasilevsky, and that was it. Those were the final two shots Carolina had. And again, we see a game in the series. The Lightning take a lead into the third. They end up extending the lead, and they really lock it down. Now, in game two, they needed that extra goal because Svechnikov scored sixth attacker, situation goal but in games four and five they didn't they I mean they they were glad to get the insurance goal but they didn't allow a goal in the third period and you want to throw in game one where you know they grabbed the lead back with about seven minutes left and then they locked it down the rest of the way really really impressive play by the lightning in the third period throughout this series and remember this is a stat I think you would mention Greg in their first round series against Nashville, Carolina had outscored the Predators nine to two in the third period. And they had had some rallies in the third period in that first round series to get games to overtime in games five and six. And the Lightning just shut it down yeah. in the third period throughout this series. Really, really impressive stuff. But it was a way different game. The way it ended was way different than how it started. Because the Lightning, what did they finish with? 25 shots? They probably finished with like 11 or 12 really, really good scoring chances, which is very much not what we saw in games one and two. But I think that the common denominator there was the Lightning deed up well. And I heard what Brindamore said about, you know, we had a lot of chances tonight. Vasilevsky made it look easy. Maybe he did. And maybe that's why I'm not remembering a ton of chances Carolina had because Vasilevsky was just making tough saves look easy. But I'm thinking of the Trocek one for sure. Svechnikov, a couple, especially the one in the second period. The Martinuk chances, maybe in the third. 
But I think this is what it comes down to when you mentioned Adelkovich. Even the saves that weren't like incredible stops, the ones that are like average to above average, he stopped all of those too. So it's not like there were some iffy ones that got past Vasilevsky. You know, the other thing too is Brindamore might be the way he stated that, he also might be talking about in general. They had some chances in this series, and they just yeah. weren't able to capitalize. I think that also comes into play. Like, you're right. The one I remember maybe in the first period, Stahl had a, a pretty good look right after the kill that the Yes, in the on. slot. And, and that's also, true. That was a good look. And Vassi was really cool on that one. Like, he just yeah. kicked it out, and then he recovered to make a, a second save, I think, on Martin Hook. Yes, and that, yes. Yeah, and that, uh, there was one, too. Stahl had a shot. Martin Hook had the rebound. That was our midway through the first period. But there weren't a ton. And I, I, I made a note of it, and I think it, it was probably next to Vassi and what he did in that game and kind of what he has done the last three playoff clinching series where he's pitched shutouts. Dave, I think we probably need to talk about that just a bit more to, to talk about how great he's been. The fourth line was really good. Yes. I mean, that. listen, Tyler Johnson has taken a lot of criticism this year, and I think some of it is is warranted. He hasn't played up to his expectations, but what he always had in the back of everybody's mind or something that he could always rely on maybe was that he was always a pretty good playoff performer, just like guys uh, like Pilat and Colon, role players that have done very well in the postseason in addition to the stars. But Tyler Johnson's always performed pretty well in the postseason. And I understand the fourth line isn't what he's used to doing in the playoffs, but you know, for the first time maybe in these playoffs – you felt like they were dangerous just about every shift. They don't play a ton. Oh, they were. They play under 10 minutes a game. And that's kind of who – listen, folks, let's not make a mistake here. That's who Tyler Johnson is at this point for this team. Doesn't mean that's what he's going to be for the rest of his career. For this team, he's basically a 10-minute player. And along with Ross Colton and Pat Maroon, I don't know if this was just a one-game thing or if they found something – but, Dave, that was a, a game shift after shift where you can honestly say I think every one of those players had a dangerous look in this game. Yep. And I think Definitely. that's something that needs to be applauded. And if this continues, Dave, that could be a real advantage for the Lightning, whoever they play in the next round and hopefully in the Stanley Cup Finals because we know what their three lines can do. But if this Johnson line can just do what they did last night, a bit more. Now, all of a sudden, you're looking at this Lightning team and you're saying, man, every line they put out there has a chance to score. And I'm not sure we could have said that up until the last couple of games, at least. But it was really good to see those guys take take charge. Well, the return of Goodrow helped a lot. And you made that point in the Florida series, particularly when Goodrow was out and you kept referring to the Lightning as a, a three-line three team, team. Yes. Yeah. now they are no longer a three-line team with Goodrow sliding in on that third line. Correct. And and you know John Cooper said he was asked about Johnson after Game Four because Johnson scored a very big goal in Game Four. Of course, he said, "I think Tyler Johnson is having a better playoff year this year than he had last year," which was an interesting comment, even though he's playing less because he was on the second line with Sorelli and Kalorn through the playoff run in the bubble. And I 
like it's hard to it's hard to quibble with how the Lightning played last year in the bubble. But you and I had some conversations throughout that playoff run. Like, are they going to be getting more from the second line? Now, Sorelli ended up scoring some huge goals. I mean, clearly, game six against the Islanders in overtime at the top of the list. But he also scored a sixth attacker goal against Columbus in game five of that series. So he didn't score a lot, but it felt like the goals that he scored were really important. And Johnson was a member of that line. But I think that that comment is fair that when we look back at the bubble last year, like the point line just tore up the opposition and the Gord line was really, really impactful. But the Sorelli line wasn't as consistently dangerous, maybe as they had been during the regular season. And Johnson was a part of that. However, John Cooper is, has pointed out that you know, he feels Johnson is is having a better playoff year this year than he did last year. And he's got his motor going. He does. So I don't think it was just last night's game. They had a really good game six against Florida. Remember, Maroon scored the opening goal, and Johnson oh, yeah. beat out two icings in that game. So if he's going to skate like that, and we know Colton can skate, Maroon is kind of – Maroon is not a fast skater – but when the other two guys are going, it does help Maroon. Like he almost gets pulled along, right? And and he can and he can, if not be the first guy in on the four check, he can come in and provide support, which is what he's doing in a lot of these instances. And he's so strong in the puck, like that wraparound you mentioned. He was going up against Natchez. Now in Natchez's defense, I think Natchez had had a long shift, so he was probably at the end of a shift. But Maroon is so strong, and Natchez couldn't. Couldn't keep with him. Maroon just held on to it behind the net, held on to it behind the net, and finally Natchez was kind of like let go of the rope, right? Like he just couldn't hold on anymore, and Maroon broke free and had that wraparound chance. That was a great save by Nedeljkovic. So the fourth line, they were they were outstanding last night. But I don't think this is a one-off. I think that we've started to see this from from that trio. It's coming at the right time. By the way, Marty Natchez, where were you? Boy, I mean, I know he had some yep. looks, but Dave, I mean, we, again, he was a guy that we were impressed with during the regular season. and He's a look, really good player. I is. think he did miss, I mean, you hate to say it's because of the line mates, and he played with Ajo at points of the year during the season, too. Now, he didn't play with Ajo in this series. I think he really missed Trocek and Niederreiter. Those are his and, line and, mates. And that's fine. That's fine, but I, yeah. I'm, I'm looking at But he his... had his chances on the power play. He's on that top unit, and he just he wasn't he able to anything. he wasn't able to do it. Yeah, yeah. I, Dave, he didn't get a point. Power plays point. power plays in the series finished seven to two lightning. Huh. Seven to two. It's incredible. By the way, lightning you went seven for sixteen on the power play in the series. I mean, that was, that's a difference. Yeah. Um, Nadelkovic, too, as I said, was really good. Pat Maroon, so this is just, this is a fun stat, and I don't know if it necessarily translates to Pat Maroon and how he's played over the last couple of years. Dave, do I have this right? Because, you know, my math is a little shaky. I have to use my hands. Has he won his last 12 playoff series? I mean, one of uh, That's lose. 10, I think, right? Because you you win four right. to win the cup, that's right. See, that's so four and four hands. is eight and two. If he gets to twelve, he'll be a happy camper. 
I mean, could, he'll that, be a really happy camper. That's incredible. Yeah. I mean, he hasn't lost in <laughs> a couple years. I mean, you know, again, I I don't want to say that's all because of Pat Maroon, but again, we've talked about the identity of this team since they lost to Columbus, Dave, a couple years ago. Look at the moves they've made to become a little more difficult to play against. And boy, if if there's ever an example of how a team got better and didn't mope and didn't panic after the debacle that was the Columbus Blue Jackets a couple of years ago, look at how this team bought in. You know, we talk about leadership. What does that mean? How do you quantify that? Well, your management understands that the core group is still in place. You don't want to mess with that. But you need to change the identity of this team in some capacity on the margins a little bit. And so you bring in guys like Goodrow and Coleman. You get Maroon. You have a guy like Luke Shen who plays for you at times. Ross Colton comes up and becomes part of the culture with this team. A young player who is tough to play against. And all of a sudden now the Lightning, Dave, and I'm not sure we could have said this a couple years ago. They just they can beat you in a lot of different ways. Yeah. The one constant are the star players. And the scary thing is about the star players, they're still in the prime of their careers. I mean, this is the other thing that's something we're going to have to watch for that are still signed to relatively decent team-friendly contracts when you consider their skill sets. Is that always going to be the case? No. But five semifinal appearances in the last seven years speaks to the core but also how Julian Brisois, and you can throw Steve Eisman here, and John Cooper have had to, in some ways, adjust their roster without getting rid of any of your star players. I think it's hard to do, but I think it does speak to guys who had to buy in and a management group that understood what they needed to do to improve. And they did it, Dave. They did it. But guys like Pat Maroon that you had mentioned and... The Coltons, the the Colemans, the Goodrows. It's just a, a really different team than we saw a couple of years ago, while at the same time still keeping their best players. And I, I think that's hard to do in today's game, but they've done it. They found a way to do it. It's incredible to watch. Yeah, and but we also understand that the Lightning are going to have some hard decisions at the end of this playoff year, and they're going to lose a player to Seattle. So, which is fine. You can only put it off so long, but what you hope is that you have younger players like a Colton that can come up and and you know fill an open spot. I mean, he really what he did this year to crack this lineup and to really stabilize that fourth line is probably something that hasn't been talked about enough. We've talked about it on this show, obviously, because yeah, that's where people are going to come for lightning talk. But I think around the city, it's easy to sit there and say, well, you know, you're doing it with Kucherov, Stamkos, Hedbin, Point, and Vassy. And that's true. But the fourth line really took off when Colton became part of that. Yeah. And I know we're getting some questions already, and I think fans like to do this. I, I want to try and enjoy this moment right now, but we're already getting questions about Colton as somebody you have to protect for the expansion draft. And we're, we're not there yet. I, I understand the emotions are high when you see a player like Colton perform. And I think there are very strong arguments that you can make 
to keep a guy like that. It's just going to be a numbers game, and you're going to have to accept that the Lightning are probably going to lose a really good player as long as you're not losing points Kucherov, Vassy, or Hedman. For me, and then there are a couple of other guys you can sprinkle in there, you're going to be okay. Doesn't mean it's going to hurt to lose a player that you don't want right. to lose, but you have to understand Colton's going to help you win championships, but points, Vassy, Cooch, Hedman, if you don't have them, you don't have a chance to win a championship. And I think there's a big difference there, Dave. Yeah, and a lot of the core is still young, relatively yes. young, you Which know, in their mid 20s. So that's a really good sign. You know, um, one of the things we talked about on the last call before we go to break, and I'm curious to see if there's anything that comes down from the league, was Palat's hit on Pesci. Yeah, it was not a good hit. Period. It was a hit to the head. It was a blindside hit to the head. It was in the offensive zone, which isn't going to matter to the Department of Player Safety. But when and we I, talk I, and, about penalties, like there was no reason to take that penalty at that point when you're up 2 nothing and you're controlling yes. the game. Fortunately, the Lightning got through it. But we'll have to wait and see. And he's, I've seen he, hits like that result in nothing, but we've yes. also seen hits like that result in sometimes supplemental discipline. No doubt. And, and Dave, and this is why I think when people ask these questions, I have no idea what the league is going to hand down. You're right. I mean, Pollock could be suspended for the first game of the next series. He could be fined the maximum amount that usually is associated with a hit like that. I agree with you. It was a needless hit from a player who's a really smart one when it comes yeah. to those things. And if he is suspended for the first game of next series, I, I think it's an interesting lineup decision that John Cooper can go to because you could slot in an, a, a somebody else who's been sitting, like a, a Matthew Joseph. You can elevate somebody up to that first line. Or you could go 11-7, and seven, which is something yep. they've been very comfortable doing, too. So I, I don't know if it necessarily Which, by the way, we know the Lightning are playing either the Bruins or the Islanders. Yes. And in both those series last year in the bubble, different teams, both teams would be different, the Lightning and whoever their opponent is going to be. But they did play 11-7. and seven. The majority of the time yes, that they, they played 11-7 and seven in the bubble last year was against those two opponents. Yes, I actually want to touch on that. Not that we're going to look ahead, but we did take some questions. We have some questions about the next series and who would you like to face. Uh, we I have hate some that thoughts. On, I know you do. I know you do. But I, I, I'm going to address <laughs> it briefly because I think it's something people are going to talk about from now till then. Because did I give you my Carey Price story from 2019? I can't remember if I shared. Well, let's that. tease it. Let's get let's get to that on the other side. I want right. I want you to tease that because I yeah. think that's going to be uh, something that we need to listen to. But I think it is going to be interesting. Um, when we start talking about matchups and and who we're going to look at, of course, the Islanders have an opportunity to close that out tonight, and we'll see if that, that plays out. He's Dave Michigan. I am Greg Linnelli. We're recapping Tampa Bay's series-clinching win last night. They shut out the Canes. They win four games to one. Who do you want to face in the next series? How great is Andre Vasilevsky, folks? I've got a, an interesting analogy I want to bring up, and I want to get your thoughts on that as well when we return on Lightning Power Play. This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play on the iHeartRadio app. Glad you're with us here on Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. 
By the way, if you're thinking about making a good bet, good investments, you know, there's some people here, Dave, who like to play the stock market. There's some people who like to flip houses and might not be a bad idea to go out and purchase an Andre Vasilevsky rookie card. Those things are going for about a thousand bucks on eBay right now. How about that? Did you stumble you, upon that or you went looking for one? Well, I did go looking for one. <laughs> <laughs> Just curious because Were I am. Were you um, surprised by the price tag? I am. I am. But it, you so know, you thought it would be lower. Well, you know what? The thing about it is with um, trading cards recently since the pandemic, Steve knows this. I, I've kind of dabbled in it, um, getting back into my baseball card collections. But it's interesting seeing how high the prices are now for certain players. And it's just the trading card phenomenon is really at its peak, uh, at least more so than we've seen before. And just go on eBay, select complete and sold options, and you'll see what those cards are going for. It's, it's pretty incredible what they are. And, <laughs> you know, you got to strike when the market's hot. And uh, his, uh, his value has never been higher, both on the ice and off the ice for sure. But I want to get to another goaltender that you teased, Carey Price. Yeah, so this isn't so came. much about Carey Price, but this is yeah. this notion of who do you want to see? Like, let's let's go shopping and and find the best bargain to get us to the Stanley Cup final. There is no bargain. Mm -hmm. There is no easy path. So 2019, spring of 2019, the Lightning have wrapped up. They're on their way to winning 62 regular season games. They have clearly wrapped up first place and this is like with a couple of weeks left in the regular season and it was clear they were going to be the number one seed in the east at the time I remember fielding this question so we had some kind of a fan event and fans were were bringing this up both who do you think the lightning should get in the first round and this team I do not want to see so at the time, there were three teams battling it out for two wildcard spots. Carolina, Columbus, and Montreal. And as we know, Carolina got the first wild card and ended up upsetting Washington. Columbus got the second wild card, and we know what happened in that series, and Montreal missed the playoffs. And the one thing I kept hearing from fans over and over and over again, whatever happens, I don't want to see Montreal. Carey Price scares me. All right. I'm like, well, you, you really don't have any say in the matter. <laughs> this is way beyond anyone's control. That's what I said at the time, which is true. I think I also said no matter who you see, you need to play well because they are a playoff team. And who did the Lightning get? They didn't get Carey Price. They got one of the other teams. Yeah. And we know what happened. Whether it's the Islanders or the Bruins, the Lightning are going to have to deal with a really, really good opponent. A really good opponent. They could beat them. And we'll have an axe to grind. Either one. The Lightning beat the Bruins in the bubble last year and two of the previous three seasons because they beat them in 2018. Big divisional rival. And they knocked the Islanders off in the conference final round last year. And and Barry Trotz, after that series, talked about how much that stung to lose that series. That's Barry Trotz, who's won a Stanley Cup. You don't think the Islanders would be excited to get another crack at the Lightning? 
So, no offense, Greg. Enough with the who do you want to see stuff. You're going to get who you're going to get, and it is going to be well, a really tough series. Now, the teams are not identical. Boston has this incredible top line. Incredible top line. As we know, Bergeron, Marshan, Pasternak. Virtually impossible to, to contain them. But you got to do the best you can. The Islanders are an extreme, Bruins are too, but the Islanders are an extremely structured four-line team. Remember that old saying, the best fourth line in hockey? Sezikis, Martin, Clutterbuck. And I would not be surprised if the Lightning see the Islanders if that line gets the Braden point assignment. Because they have had success before against the point line. Not so much last year in the playoffs since Sezikis got hurt during that series, which, which factored into how that series unfolded as well. So that's kind of where I'm at. Now, look, you want to well, say listen. you'd like to see that series go seven and have the the winning team be a little bit more battered and bruised and have less time off than the Lightning? Fine. But I, I am offering a cautionary word here. Whoever comes out of that series, that is going to be one heck of a dogfight for the Lightning. There's, I mean, you've stated the obvious. There's no doubt. Whoever you play at that point is going to be a really good team. But Dave, as you know, people come here for our opinions, and they yes. want to know. So you give your you opinion. To, Who do you if want you to have see? To pick, I mean, we just you know. Go that, ahead, I mean, tear that's, up everything. I just <laughs> no, no, no. That's, I mean, that's the question. I mean, listen. Outside of what we just discussed, people just are going to want our opinions on. Who do you think is a better matchup? My opinion I, is they're both really good, but uh, but they present different. <laughs> but they present they different strengths. They do, and, and let's neither see you... one, neither one of those teams brings the kind of pace of play that the Lightning just dealt with in the Listen, first two rounds. I am going to say this, and I think I'm going to be right, and I think you are going to agree with me. They are both very good teams. I think the Islanders pose a tougher matchup than Boston because of the way they play. They will not give you too many easy looks. You will have to earn it. I think the question with the Islanders is their goaltending. I have seen both goaltenders for the Islanders play well in different series. I think where the Islanders in some ways are very similar to the Hurricanes in that I don't know if they have a star player, although Barzell is close to being that guy, just like Sebastian Ajo is for Carolina. I think they have a lot of really good players littered up and down that lineup. And I think their fourth line might rival Tampa Bay's in terms of being the best in the league. They play hard. They play physical. This isn't to suggest that Boston doesn't. They do it in a different way. But the Lightning have had success against the Bruins with that first line. Not to say they haven't had success against the Islanders, but you have to you have to roll with me here. Maybe you could say Tuka Rask is a little more polished than the Islanders' goaltenders, and I think that's fair to say, but is Rask going to be healthy? There's some questions about where he is for Game 6 tonight. So if you're asking me, and I think a lot of people have, and uh, I know you have a high opinion of Barry Trotz, as do I, I actually think the Islanders are a tougher matchup than the Bruins. That doesn't mean either team can't beat the Lightning. They very well could. We're, we're stating the obvious there. But I think in terms of what the Lightning could get offensively and what they won't get offensively, there's going to be less of that, in my opinion, in the Islanders series than there would be against the Bruins, understanding that I think it's going to be tight checking regardless. So yeah. there's my analysis. I think what I said is pretty That's accurate. Fair. 
I think I, what I said I, is pretty accurate. I'm not disagreeing with anything that you're saying. And I think Barzell, in many ways, is a wild card, but he because his play he has is going to be motivated because he did not have a good series last year. Yes. against the Lightning, and he's he's kind of had a slow start this year. And look, Anders Lee being out, that's a big loss for them. He's a big body that is a load to handle in front. Him not being in that lineup, that's a big deal. I think we all have to understand that, but other teams are playing with injuries too. I understand and I appreciate what uh, Boston has tried to do to address their depth with Taylor Hall, and I think at times he has given them that depth scoring. Uh, Boston always is, is tough to handle because of the obvious, the first line. But I think, you know, as much as Boston would be motivated to take on Tampa Bay, boy, don't we see Braden Point rise to the challenge against the other team's first line. I think we saw that a couple of years ago and how good he was after the Bruins. Remember, torched them in game one. Was that a yeah. couple of years ago, Dave? And, and they had, Minus five in game was one, incredible. Braden Point. But since then, and I don't know if they'll be matched up uh, against one another, assuming that would be the matchup. But after that game, Braden Point's line was dominant, and it was great to see him play the way he did so you're you're obviously correct in stating both teams are going to be tough nobody's suggesting that they won't be but if you're asking me um it's funny I'm picking the team that probably has maybe a few more question marks in nets and you know how I feel about questions in nets this time of year and as I said the Islanders for me again this is my analysis I feel like have a, a few more questions in nets than Boston would. That's assuming Tuka Rask is 100%. But I feel like the way Barry Trotz coaches his teams defensively, they don't give you a ton for the most part. Uh, look, in the first series against Pittsburgh, I thought their goaltending was the difference. Pittsburgh actually at times outplayed them and did a really good job coming through the neutral zone and not turning the puck over. But that's something you have to do for a full seven-game series against the Islanders because... We have seen the Lightning. If if they start going a little more east and west, the Islanders typically don't get out of position. And when you make a mistake, that's when guys go the other way in the Baileys and the Barzells and the Brock Nelsons who just, Dave, I don't know about you, but it just feels like that guy, his numbers <laughs> He's are... He's a money player. He, he really I, is. And I feel like his numbers should be a lot better than what we've seen throughout his career because of what he's done in the playoffs. I feel like he's just a really good player. Guys like that go the other way, and they capitalize off your mistakes more. So for me, I think the Islanders would be a tougher matchup, but that doesn't mean the Lightning aren't going to have a tough matchup with the Boston Bruins, to your point. But I think the Islanders, for me, would be the team I'd, I'd kind of look at and say, all right, that's, this is going to be a dogfight. This is going to be a dogfight. Yes, it is. And, so and I, just because the Lightning have home ice, that, that doesn't matter much. No. I, I mean, have we found that out too, Dave? Do you think even more so this year? At least – the lightning and in, in this series and we, we talk all i'm saying is that the road teams have had a lot of success this playoff year yeah I, and whether they get the bruins or the islanders the islanders if they survive will have won two series as the lower seed and the bruins were the lower seed against yeah. washington and won that series so so when you hear teams say we won home ice advantage during the regular season and we need to play well understand I think that's just the owners like it because they want more gate revenue possibly. I, I, <laughs> that's, I don't really that's think. not insignificant. That's I a mean, huge, but, but they don't openly fair. say that, right? <laughs> I don't we want to get more money. Are, are talking about that. John Cooper said he likes having game seven at home. Yeah. So what have we had? One game seven. We had one game seven, two game sevens. Toronto lost at home, but, but Vegas yeah. won at home. 
Right. But was that really a home game for Toronto? There was like nobody in the building, basically. Yeah, no, they I... had the, the frontline workers in for that building. But the Vegas crowd was definitely rocking in that Vegas-Minnesota Game 7. Anything surprising you here, Dave? We saw Golden Knights win last night in overtime 3-2. They've won, what, three straight? Yeah, so it it seemed like Colorado had a better game in Game 5 than what they showed in Games 3 and 4, and frankly, for much of Game 2. They outshot the Golden Knights, but you got a 2 nothing lead going into the third at home in a 2-2 series. That's one you can't afford to lose. And Mark Stone makes a great play. I don't know if you watched the overtime goal. No, I didn't. There were two shot blocks by Vegas, and Pacioretty got it out after the second block. Pacioretty got it out to Stone. And it's not like he's on a breakaway per se, but and I don't know that Mark Stone is considered like a guy who can fly, but he he was able to get a little bit of an angle on Graves, who did have to turn around. So, I mean, that's part of it. I know Brian Engblom has talked about that. It's harder for a defenseman when – you know, your shot is blocked, and you have to stop or from a stop position go back, whereas Stone is is accelerating right off the hop. But Stone gave himself enough room, and he's on his off wing and makes a perfect shot into the top of the net. So Vegas is now one win away from a rather, I oh, would say, you- surprising trip to the semifinal just based on the fact that they got blown out in game one, and Colorado was looking like gangbusters. Yeah. And Colorado had a 2 0 lead, and despite not playing well in game three, they were up 2 to 1 with like five minutes left. Yeah. Vegas was that close to being down 0 3. But the I series is not over yet, and now yeah. it's Colorado's turn to, to summon a performance that, that extends there the have series. Been a, a couple of people who I follow on Twitter that have been covering that series, and they have talked about and Dave, I haven't really watched a lot of that series for obvious reasons, but um, they have said that Vegas's forecheck is is becoming a little too much right now for Colorado, that there needs to be an adjustment made there on Colorado's yeah. end. I don't know if, if, you know, if you're watching that series, if you necessarily buy it, but that's one of the things I am reading. Also, too, I did see the Brandon Saad goal. Yeah, Mark Andre Fleury. Fleury. He, he tried to Honestly, catch that like a shortstop over his right shoulder. How does that? And you know, Mark Andre Fleury is up for the vest this year, <laughs> and I know Mark Andre Fleury. He is arguably the greatest Penguin goaltender in the history of that franchise. He's going to go down as a Hall of Famer because I think the numbers are going to stack up. He's got the Stanley Cups. And he's been a really good goaltender. But boy, does he allow sometimes some soft goals. I mean, With it's a just, second it's to go in the period. How does so that you think happen? about the things that went against Vegas last night. A horrible goal by their goalie in the final second of the first period. And you're down 2 nothing going into the third and you still find a way to win the game. It's, I mean, like you let up a goal like that with, what, a second remaining in the in the first period, and you still find a way to win. Kudos to Vegas. Marcia gets another goal. We talked about him the yeah. other day with Carter Verhage, former Lightning players who've gotten an opportunity to really be in a top six role, Dave. I mean, that to me is, is the other thing that's pretty fun to watch when you start talking about how the Lightning have drafted and developed and found players yeah. that can be impactful. There's two guys right there that, left on their own because they wanted a bigger role because they knew what they had in front of them in in Tampa Bay. They just were going to be blocked. Now, whether that was going to happen if they would have stayed down the road, I don't know. 
but it was a calculated gamble, calculated risk on their part to to make that move. And I think it's paid off for both of them in a big way. It's it's fun to I'm see. I'm pretty sure if memory serves, Marcheseau was a UFA, though, and Elaine did make him an offer, but yeah, he just Florida wanted. gave him an extra year. So that's why yeah, he and chose that was a big to go. Deal. Verhage and Elaine decided to not qualify him. And without getting into the, the weeds on this, I wonder how much of that was, well, it was clearly due to, to to cap concerns because he was arbitration eligible. But you wonder how much the Lightning didn't have clarity on what their cap situation would be. And so they said, all right, we can't risk an arbitration award here. And so we're just not going to qualify. He's turned into a hell of a player. I mean, it it doesn't doesn't hurt playing with the skill he's playing with in in Florida, but he would have done the same thing most likely here in Tampa Bay anyways if he was given that opportunity. So it's what you do and run with those opportunities. And what's interesting about him – Bringing it back to the Lightning with some guys they have coming up through the system. The knock on Verhage a little bit, Dave, was maybe his speed. That well, really wasn't not, an issue. That's not a knock anymore. No. That's for sure. I, and so you look at guys like uh, Barry Boulay and, and what does that mean for a player like that? I mean, there are there is hope that if you can work on your skating a bit, if as long as you have the hockey IQ and the skill sets to become a pretty good player. Ross Colton, I think, actually was in that same boat. I'm not saying he's going to be the same player that Verhage yeah. is, but skating is always – Sometimes what separates guys who can dominate at the AHL level, Dave, and get a cup of coffee or stay in the National Hockey League. And I think Ross Colton certainly has figured that part out, and it's going to be fun watching him uh, move forward. So big game tonight. Obviously, I think a lot of Lightning fans are going to be watching the Bruins-Islanders. That's at 7.30. The Islanders lead that series three games to two. We already gave you our thoughts on what to look for in that series uh, or in that game tonight. Um, Dave, let's close the show out. you know, there are a couple of people that are just chiming in about um, great effort by the Lightning and, you know, what they've been able to do over the last couple of years and, you know, Vasilevsky and, and how good he's been. Um, I, I made the comment today on, on Twitter and I said, Andre Vasilevsky is the most dominant athlete in Tampa Bay since Derek Brooks and Warren Sapp. And those guys obviously are Hall of Famers, and they won championships. And Because uh, I was thinking about this last night, how good he's been. Ben Bishop was really good for the Lightning. I think Vassie's been even better than Bish in net. And in an era, as I said, where there's a lot of parity, what this core group of Lightning players has done, and we keep saying it's the golden era of Tampa Bay Lightning hockey, I actually think this is the golden era of Tampa Bay sports in general. And Steve, I can bring you into this conversation too because I know you've been here longer than I have, as have Dave. Each team, like the Rays and the Bucks, have had moments, have had years, you know, a couple years where they've been really good. I think to be this good for this long in an era where there's a lot of parity speaks to how great this organization has been. And I think when you do compare it to some other sports teams in this town, they don't get probably the coverage that their talent warrants because this is still a football town, I think. Although I think you can make a hard argument that the Rays and and the Lightning based off of ratings and TV revenue and people watching on TV, it's, it's close, but not obviously near the NFL because of what it is that this, this management group, these players on this lightning roster since 24, 20, 2014, 2015, it's probably been the best run in Tampa Bay sports history that we have seen. And and I, I would challenge anybody to really come back with that. Well, in terms of sustained success, you're probably right. 
including playoff success. Correct. Like Steve was pointing out, the Rays have had a high level, maybe longer going back to 08, but they haven't had quite the same level of postseason success mm-hmm. as the Lightning in terms of going deep in the postseason. And, of course, the Rays have yet to win a World Series, and the Lightning just did win a Stanley Cup in 2020. But, yeah, I mean, all I'd say is that if you're a Tampa Bay sports fan, enjoy it. <laughs> Try and enjoy it Absolutely. as much as you can because you never ho- know how long it's going to last. And, uh, you know, speaking specifically about the Lightning, I think the whole organization deserves a ton of credit for building this up and then maintaining it through the way they are running things. Savvy drafting and developing, doing it the right way, finding the talent cultivating that talent through coaching and and the drive of the players that they are selecting to be able to reach a, a, a level of elite status that they have maintained at a time when the league has as much parity as it has ever had in the history of the NHL. So quite an accomplishment. I tell my boys all the time, that, and they're seven and five, that they don't realize how lucky they are, that the Lightning have, in the seven years, made five Final Fours. The Rays have been, since 08, really, uh, there was a four-year stretch in there. They rebuilt once Andrew Friedman and Joe Madden left. They decided to rebuild and reload, and, and they look like they're loaded for years to come if you look at their minors and who's coming up for them. And then you get Tom Brady to come to the Buccaneers and have the season they had last year, and they're probably going to be the favorites going into this year that, you know, they wake up up every morning and ask who wins games, and and they guess right most of the time because they guess the Lightning, the Rays, or the Bucks have won. Um, you know that you know when I was a kid, my teams weren't always winning. Um, it's it's remarkable how all three teams in this area, and if you want to include the Rowdies too, who are doing phenomenal as well. Um, it's just it's an amazing run, and the fans in this town should feel very lucky. And as much as we nitpick things sometimes in the play on the field or the ice and what's going to happen next year, don't forget to enjoy the ride too because this, you know, this doesn't happen all the time, particularly for a, a city or an area to have this many good teams for this sustained long time. Uh, it's incredible. And you know who deserves the most credit for all this is me. <laughs> Since I moved down here, this lightning yes, team has been phenomenal. And I look, I, I the stars finally listen, aligned when you <laughs> arrived. <laughs> listen, you don't have to pat me on the back for that. I, I, this is what I do. I come to your city, and and all of a sudden we have the lightning who are just pounding, and that's what they do. Now I'm obviously joking, but the Vasilevsky debate, guys. What's funny with the Brooks and the Sap? If it's not them, you could almost make the case it's going to be point Kucherov with the numbers they're putting up. But Vasi is just look at the numbers, look at what he's doing and how dominant he has been. Again, in a league where there's a lot of parity, this is a type of dominance that we haven't seen in quite some time. And Rod Brindamore will end the show with this, you know, Dominic Hoshik-like. Dominic Hoshik is, you know, maybe one of the five greatest goaltenders of all time. And it's... uh. As you said, Dave, enjoy this. As Steve said, enjoy this because you never know when it's going to go away. But it's been fun to watch. And we'll be uh, recapping probably the uh, game tonight, Bruins and Islanders. And uh, hopefully maybe we'll have a guest sprinkled in there to talk about this Lightning team and what to expect moving forward. Dave, great job as always. Fun call last night. And uh, we'll do it again tomorrow. All right. Talk to you tomorrow. All right, Steve Versnick producing. We appreciate him as well. We appreciate you listening. Hit us up on Twitter, at Bolts Radio. We'll be with you again tomorrow, noon to one, 
on Lightning Power Play.